is my pleasure to welcome the man of the word, the one and only Joel Narayan. Welcome. Thank you, Abby. Really appreciate it. How good did Abby do? Why don't we give her a round of applause as she goes into the kids' room to serve there? So awesome. How's everyone feeling? Feeling good? That's good. Well, a quick happy birthday to Christopher Graffiti. His birthday today. He's... His family's unwell, but he came and led worship today, so we really appreciate that, Chris. Um, you did an awesome job. And also, to everyone else whose birthday it's not, happy Palm Sunday. Yeah. It's Palm Sunday, one week before Easter, and it's really exciting that Easter is next week. Uh, to wrap up our values, I'm wrapping up our value series this week before we get into Easter. We've had our City Church MacArthur value series. This is the last week, the, the last of eight values um, and the value that I get to speak on today is equip others. And this is part of the multiply section of our discipleship pathway. Um, and I'm really enthusiastic about our time together to get, uh, today. This word that I am speaking today, I feel like it's a, a message that God had been promising in my heart probably for the last month or two um, when I read this in the book of Ephesians. And I am just hoping and praying that I can do justice to what this passage brings. Because going through it, I'm just like, God is just so great that he could use something that the Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago to a church in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, and it just relates so strongly to us as the body of Christ today. Um, in Ephesians 4.1, Paul says, Therefore, I, as a prisoner serving for the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. And every single person here today is called. And you're called by God and equipped by God. And I urge and beg you today, not as the Apostle Paul, but as Joel Narayan, um, that you would consider today what it looks like for you to respond to your call to the body of Christ and what it means for you to equip other people in their calling too. Let's pray. God, uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you. We firstly thank you for the privilege it is, the wonderful privilege it is to be in relationship with you. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace over us. We thank you, God, as we, uh, we go through and we read and we hear and we learn from your scriptures that your Holy Spirit would speak to each of us, that he would be our guider, our helper, and our teacher as we go through these scriptures. And God, we pray that the words that are spoken would come alive, because your word is alive, it is living. It would penetrate our hearts and souls. And that through this, God, that we would feel equipped, and we would be prompted to equip others as you have equipped us. And so, God, we pray today as the body of Christ here that we would stand in unity aiming and, and striving for a maturity of the body of Christ, that we would all recognize our parts, that not one part is better than the other, but we're all a part of that same body and called to the same mission in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. One of my big questions for us today is this, and you might hear this question a few times throughout the sermon, is who is responsible for serving building and multiplying the church who is responsible i think a great place to start is it always starts with christ 
Christ was sent as a part of God's mission to restore creation and humanity from our sin, uh, our sinfulness and our darkness. Christ came with a redemptive purpose, with the forgiveness of sins and the bringing and the proclaiming of the kingdom of God. See, Christ came, he says from his words in Matthew chapter 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ came not to be served, not to be ministered to, but to minister to others. Jesus ministered and served humanity and Jesus came not to be ministered to, as, as I said, but to minister to others, not to be served, but to serve. In Luke chapter 9, he equipped and he sent out 12 disciples that he had handpicked and chosen to go out and spread the good news of the gospel. He equipped them and then sent them. And all of a sudden, the ministry that Jesus had been doing, proclaiming the kingdom of God, healing the sick, delivering demons, all of a sudden, it was one man, in, uh, one man who was fully man, fully God. It was one man, and all of a sudden, it became 13. And then in, in Luke chapter 10, the next chapter, we see another situation where Jesus then equips 72 others and sends them to do that exact same thing, two by two. And even in Jesus' earthly ministry, we see him as, he was one person in one flesh. And on his own as one human physically, there was only so much he could reach and do as a person. He was in a human body, had human body limitations, although he was fully divine. So again, I asked the question, who is responsible for serving, building, and multiplying the church. See, Jesus lived a perfect life. He prepared the apostles and the disciples for his departure. As we know, he died as a sacrificial lamb for our sins, for our forgiveness of sins. Three days passed, and on the third day, he rose again, then appeared to the apostle and hundreds of others. And then he ascended. But before he ascended, Luke records in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He, he, Jesus knew he was going, so what he said is, I will send you a helper. You will receive power. Jesus wasn't leaving us here without any tools or skills or anything. He equipped us with His Holy Spirit. So the believers at Pentecost were then equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit to continue the work of Jesus Christ. And this was the beginning of the church. And you and I are filled with that same Spirit. You and I are both are all equipped with that Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who unites us as one and is a Holy Spirit that empowers us. If you were a Christian and you have received salvation, you were called by God, and you have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to spend most of our time in the cortex of Ephesians chapter 4. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. We're going to read today from um, chapter 4, verse 4, all the way to 16, but just in, in parts, and we're going to go through it slowly. It says in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, there's a lot of ones here, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There is, there is a lot to unpack there. 
But essentially, the, an overview of what he's saying here is that we are one body in Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, we are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. We all form as Christians, as believers, the body of Christ. We are one unified body that shares the Holy Spirit. We have one hope, one faith, one God. We're all brothers and sisters in one family. We share the same Father. And we have a oneness that keeps us together, all of our different parts. We go to verse 7 and we get hit in verse 7 with a big but. Everyone say but. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. From verses 4 to 6, we see that what's being emphasized is this oneness together. That we're all shared. We all share the same God, the same, uh, the same faith, the same Father. And then what we see in verse 7 is a big but. And when you see a but, you've got to address it and say, but each one of us, grace has been given and apportioned by Christ. Each one of us has a unique grace and gift that God has allocated to us as a part of the body. So although we're all one and same and unified in the spirit and as a part of the one family, we all have different parts to play. See, although Christ equipped people while he was on earth, and he did that by commissioning the disciples and the apostles, he had to leave this earth and ascend to heaven so that he could be in all things. Christ left this earth so he could multiply into the whole universe. Want to see more proof? John 16 verse 7, Jesus says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Can you imagine being a disciple in that moment? It's for my good that you're leaving us? It doesn't make sense. But he says, unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Christ promised the Holy Spirit, the helper, the advocate, so that he could be multiplied into us by the coming and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. So if Jesus is gone physically, who does the work? See, God has chosen us as his body and his family to literally be his hands and his feet, the body of Christ. He has chosen you and filled you with his spirit so that he can work through you. God wants to use people and he wants to use you. The first, uh, so we've got three different practical applications that go through when we're talking about equip others. The first one is leading fervently, empowering those around me. To lead fervently means very enthusiastically or passionately, empowering those around me. See, Christ led fervently, but what Christ didn't do was do everything himself, as we've just seen. He multiplied and empowered other, people's to, other people to do it. He included the church. He chose the church, you and I, as his means of fulfilling the complete mission of God for all eternity. He equipped others. He multiplied into others. He sent others. He equipped them. And he expanded this mission when he went to heaven 
and sent the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of future eternity. He gave us power. He left us with power and he empowered those to do the work of the ministry around him. And why I start with this is because this is our model as believers. Christ came before us and Christ provides us a a biblical model of multiplying into other people and equipping others. It must always, no matter what we do in our life, it always must start with Christ. And we know it's going to end with Christ and Him being glorified in what we do. So we follow this model. First, we know we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and filled with a particular unique grace that God has apportioned us. And secondly, we must follow Christ's model and equip others so the impact that we have is multiplied. Again, ask the question, who is responsible for serving building and multiplying the church. We're going to pick it up again in Ephesians 4, chapter 11. So the next verse down, it says, So Christ gave the apostles. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And if I'm being honest with you, these three verses have just blown my mind. They're just unbelievable. There's so much in those verses that we can get out. I love, again, following on from our last point, that it starts with Christ himself. It begins with Christ. We know that Christ, builds his church and Christ equips his people. He equips his body and that's why we have the apostles. We have those who are sent out to pioneer and build churches and we had that in the early church. That's why we have the prophets, those who bring in divine revelation and foretell the will of God to God's people. We have the evangelists, those who proclaim and herald and and, and declare and share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. That's why We have the pastor, teacher, and the shepherd, teacher. In the Greek here, it combines pastor and teacher. But we have those who guide the flock and teach them the way of Christ to build the body up. What Many of you may have heard of this verse before. It's often referred to as the fivefold ministry. Um, It's the five offices of the church. And see, the reason why Jesus gave gave these to us and he asked his church to have these offices is because they're critically important. It's how the body functions. That's why it's there. Um, And we absolutely need people who are gifted in these areas. Would anyone agree with me? We need people gifted in the fivefold ministry. And I have a feeling in a room of this size that there are some people here that may fit into those offices. I I just have an inkling that there would be people in this room that are called with those giftings. And I believe we need young people rising up into these offices. We need, we need young people realizing the call of God and the giftings on their life to be evangelist pastors and teachers. There's people that are potentially older and have been laying dormant some of these giftings and some of these offices in the church that for many years they've, they've had inklings that maybe I am prophetic or I have a gift of evangelism and they haven't stepped into those. And we need people stepping into with boldness and courage into these offices in this generation, in these last days. And see, these offices are important. These positions are important for the functioning of the body of Christ. But maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? 
I don't know if I'm called to any of those offices. We're not going to, after church, get a stick and, and discipline you for that. That is, not, that is not what we do. And it's not what Paul is saying here. Paul then opens the opportunity. And, 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 and you see in the next verse, he says in verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So Christ himself gave the apostles, gave the evangelists, gave the pastors and teachers. He gave those to equip his people. Some versions say his saints, God's people, God's holy, consecrated, set apart people. God gave these people to equip God's people, the believers, the saints, you and I, every single person to the works of service, to the works of ministry. So that the body of Christ may be built up. That word equip there, it's actually katatismos. I probably pronounced it wrong. It means, to equip means to perfect, to bring into completion, to bring to the condition of fitness, to prepare. It's putting a thing into condition to which it ought to be. To bring the people of God into condition to who they ought to be to bring them to a position where they're living a life worthy of the calling they had been called to. The work of service, diakonia, is what it is in the Greek. It's practical service. What it's saying is that the people of God, regardless of position or title, everyone has been apportioned a grace and a gift to the works of service, to operate in the body of Christ. It's so interesting in Matthew chapter 4, James and John, who are disciples of Jesus, as they're being called and commissioned by Jesus, Jesus approaches them and they're in a fishing boat with their father Zebedee. And the word there, it says that Jesus went over them, over to them, sorry. And he says that they were mending their nets. And the same word mending that is there is the verb version of the word to equip, to prepare. And what we find, what's so interesting about this is that Jesus caught James and John, as they were preparing, using the skills and the abilities that they were using in their careers and in their previous life, and he caught them in the middle of that and realigned their mission and their purpose towards the purposes of God. And potentially for us in the room, we may be here and we may be using our giftings and our skills, and we may, may be focused on our careers or our families or our workplaces, or wherever we're called to be. And potentially God's tapping some of us on the shoulder and saying, I want to prepare you and what I've given you to build up the body of Christ. Because God is asking all believers and saints to be brought to the condition of fitness to build up the body. And unfortunately, I think one of the greatest misconceptions that we have in the modern day church is that pastors, leaders, core team, volunteers, clergy, if you're in a traditional word, uh, people that are on paid staff, I think one of the greatest misconceptions is that they are the only ones called to ministry, to do the works of service. It's their job to do the work, so they must do it. But I don't think they're the only ones called to the works of service. As the word here says, and it is God's people, it is the saints who are called to the work of ministry. That it's the people of God that ought to be serving. It's you and I ministering, doing the work of the kingdom of God, using the gifts that God has graced upon us for the building up of his kingdom. It's the responsibility 
of every one of us to step into that call to build up the body. See, leaders and office holders, the apostles, the pastors, the teachers, they're there to equip these people to do it. They're called to equip the people of God, those who are not yet mature in their giftings. They're there to mentor and disciple. And it's when all of the parts of the body that the equipping is being done by the office holders and is the functioning of people with their different gifts as the part of the body of Christ is where we see a fully, properly functioning body. And when the can you imagine a body of Christ that is conditioned and brought up to fitness, where all of us are functioning together as one active body? Uh, it was maybe five or six years ago um, that somehow, I, I have absolutely no idea how it happened, but I got selected to go into a representative team from, Fiji, uh, from Australia to go and play soccer in Fiji. And why I say that, I'm not just trying to be humble, but I literally had not played soccer for about a year or two at competitive level. And here's the issue. I was not fit. I had not been running. I had not been exercising. I had sort of just dropped it altogether. Um, and then we got sent over to this tournament in Fiji. And what happened was it, the players that I was playing with were, were very good players in my team and, and in the opposition teams. And I got there, and in, I think it was the second game of the tournament, or the first. I can't remember. My memory is a bit jaded. I remember being called up to start that game. And I was kind of perplexed, like, okay, I'm here, I'm, you know, I'm here, I might as well play. Um, so I not only got put into this team where I had a lack of fitness, I also got into a position called right back, which was me being out of position. I was not well versed with a position right back. I'd more played as central and I was completely ill-equipped to be in that position. And unfortunately, when it comes to a team sport, you need to be functioning well, other, otherwise the other parts of the body suffer and have to overcompensate. And as time went on in the first half, the coaches realized that I was the weak link. And it was before half time, and I don't know if you know soccer that well, I got substituted in the first half, <laughs> which is unheard of. Usually people that have to be injured to get substituted. But see, I was, not only was I out of position, not in the calling that I had been called to play, I was out of position, I also wasn't equipped to be match fit. And I think sometimes this thing can creep into the body of Christ where people are playing in the wrong positions, potentially compensating for other people not playing. And some people that do get thrown in, they don't feel equipped because they haven't gone through the process of preparation. And how beautiful would it be for the body of Christ to work where people are put where they're called to be and all of us are equipped and prepared to do that because we're supporting each other. So quite literally, when we come to church, this is the gathering of the saints. And this is where the teaching of Scripture happens. This is where the knowledge of the Son of God is built up. And what we teach here and what we do here, it equips us for the works of service outside of this building. That's what we do here. It's for the equipping of the saints. It's a celebration service, and it's an equipping that happens so that we go and operate outside in our workplace, in our family, and everyone is called to play their exact part. So my question again today is, who is responsible for serving, building, and multiplying the church? I want to just turn our attention to an example of this in Scripture in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. It reads, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, what an encouraging statement that is, but as the believers rapidly multiplied. How fitting for our multiply section. 
But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. How many of you guys know where there's people, there's problems, but when there's a growth of people, there's a growth of problems oftentimes. So although the believers were rapidly multiplying this, now with this growth and the amount of work and people that needed to be done, there was rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12, 12 apostles, called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. We again see this problem where there is a great need and there is a great influx of people in the body of Christ and there is a need for laborers. So the apostles, recognizing that issues were coming up and there was work that needed to be done that they could not do, equipped men for the works of service. The apostles recognized their own limitations and they empowered other people to take on that responsibility. See, these men were not just given a task or a problem to fix. If you read all of the seven verses in this section, they were people that were already known to be faithful, of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, and they had been equipped. And then they were not just given a task or problem, they were selected, they were appointed, they were prayed for by the laying on of hands, and then given the responsibility. They were given the authority to settle the disputes. And see, we can misinterpret this when we read in verse 3, uh, verse 2, sorry, when it says, the apostle said we should spend our time teaching the Word of God and not running a food program. Sometimes you're like, is that derogatory? Is that condescending? Like, is, is, are they, these apostles are full of themselves. And it's, the apostles were not belittling the food program. They, it's not that they thought they were too good to run a food program. It was absolutely necessary in order to, to function, the body of Christ is what they're feeding the poor. They were doing the ministry. They did not think of themselves better than others, but what they recognized is that there was a need to be met and there was only so much they could carry. They knew what they were called to and they did not want to overload themselves and go into a position where they were not called to when they could empower someone else to do it. That's multiplication. To empower all those around you, they weren't task-focused, they were people-focused. They called these people and equipped them, loved them. They gave them authority. And when you give someone authority and you delegate and you empower someone, empowering is to delegate authority or responsibility, to give someone authority or power or responsibility. When they do that, they actually allow these seven men to grow into their calling and their ministry. Not only have they helped them help themselves in a way by sticking to what they're good at and what God has called them to, they've also allowed and given someone else the opportunity to come through. By equipping the saints, we are calling up others into their God-given purpose. Our motivation for, so for equipping others, when we equip other people, our motivation is to see them grow in their calling, to see them grow in their relationship with Christ and to become more like Him as they serve. See, we are brothers and sisters. None of us are better than the others. We're brothers and sisters with a father and we're here to serve each other in all that we do. His solution 
was to pick Stephen and seven, uh, six other men. And in verse 7, it's so encouraging. Once they had sorted this thing out, it says, So God's message continued to spread, and the numbers of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. What a beautiful outcome for what was becoming a problem. We're going to go back to the passage. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the etc., etc., to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Listen to this in verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith so that we are all unified in our devotion and our commitment and pursuit of Christ. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, that we would have a mature knowledge of who Jesus is to us. We would all come to that revelation, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Doesn't it just sound beautiful? To be completely saturated with Christ. To be filled with His presence and to become fully like Christ. See, when the body is operating in an active and healthy way, it demonstrates the fullness of Christ in his body. It's a beautiful, I don't know about you, but I think it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the church. It's when we reach a unity in faith, a confidence around the truth and the revelation of God, a revelation of our faith in Christ when we reach a knowledge, an active, knowing, loving likeness to Christ. See, this will then provide an easy means to our last two points of the value series, to witness personally, sharing our faith to those who need it, and befriending warmly, connecting visitors into the church. These are all overflow activities when we're all equipped, when we're all loving, when we're all unified in one body. Once you have a unity in the faith and you feel equipped, you have a deep knowledge, you have a knowledge of the Son of God, who Jesus is to you. Who is Jesus to you? What, if you were, someone was to ask you, who is Jesus? What would you say? What knowledge do you have of the Son of God? Is it a deep, intimate knowledge? You know Him like a friend. You know Him as Lord, you know Him as King. What is our answer to a question like that? Because to share, to share Christ is to have a, an answer to that question. Who is Christ to you? What has he done for you? When you have a deep knowledge of the Son of God, you will then have a confidence to witness and share to your friends, family, and those around you. Share through words, share through actions, share through service. And when we're all functioning in our, in our parts and our, uh, of the body of Christ, when we're all functioning in our offices and our giftings, People will be attracted to this beautiful, unified body. And then when they come, we can befriend them warmly like Christ would. We would be kind and hospitable. I love the result. We'll go to Ephesians 4.14, which is the next verse on, and I'll be concluding soon. Then we will no longer be infants. So if once we get to the fullness of Christ, then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful scheming. Instead, everyone say instead. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, from Christ. Remember, it starts and ends always with Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows 
and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. A couple of questions for us today to answer and reflect on. Are you equipping others and are you being equipped? Maybe another question maybe you got out of verse 12. Do you see yourself as a minister? Do you see yourself as someone that serves? Because to minister is to serve God. Because we're all called to the works of service. God wants to work through you. He wants to work through his body to bring others to Christ and to bring others to the same revelation and for them to join in this fabulous family of faith that we all gather around and are a part of. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and I said it before, it's, Jesus says that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, in the Great Commission, it says, then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, has been given to Christ. Therefore, and when you see a therefore, you're going to ask why the therefore is therefore. I don't know if you've heard that one before. <laughs> Go and make disciples of all nations. See, Christ empowers us. He equips us. He gives us the power and he allows us to come under his authority. And then we can go and multiply and equip others to preach the gospel, to make disciples. We are equipped to equip others. You are purposed by God and his spirit. As, an I, as I come to the right at the end of my message today, I want to ask you one last time, and I'm going to ask it slowly this time. Who is responsible for serving, building, and multiplying the church? It starts with Christ, but we are called and equipped, following on the model of Christ, to equip others in the body of Christ. We are not solely called to consume, but we're called to consume and as an act of preparation, as an act of equipping to go out and do works of service. Well, I went to lock my laptop and it's taken photos. Can you hear that? <laughs> I'm at the end of my message today, but I, I ask to, of you today, what works of service, what does it look like to be a part of the body of Christ for you? What's the works of service? What has God gifted you in? See, the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, the shepherds, they will equip God's people. They will equip, but they're not planting something that's not already there. It's God, it's the Holy Spirit. It's Christ Himself that gives out grace to each one of us. He's the one that gives out the gifts to each and every one of you. So whether you've unlocked them or not, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, whether you've unlocked the gifts and the abilities in your life already or you haven't, Christ can use you for the building up of His body. And I ask you humbly today, what does your role in the body of Christ look like? Because it's when all of us are unified and come to the knowledge of the Son of God that we can experience the fullness of Christ. We can experience His presence, His activity. We can experience what it is like to become mature as one. And we would serve one another with love, with care and kindness. Sometimes I believe we can be so focused on reaching the lost, which is an incredible 
thing that we must do that sometimes we forget to serve one another and build the body up, the body of Christ up. But I pray that as we are called into our roles and our giftings and our parts, that we would serve each other with love and build up the body of Christ. And then we would easily be able to share and welcome and witness to those that are unbelievers around us. Because the world is looking for a family. They're looking for brothers and sisters. They're looking for a father who loves them and who will transform them into the fullness of Christ. So why don't we pray, God, we thank you today in the name of Jesus. Again, we thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to be in relationship with you. We thank you for the privilege it is that you have opened the opportunity for us to come to the knowledge of the Son of God. God, we thank you that you have chosen us to be your body. And each one of us play a different part. And when when one part of the body suffers, the other parts suffer with it. And when one part of the body is honoured, the others are honoured with it. So God, I pray that we would be built up in love and each one would play its part. That those who are called to equip and disciple and mentor, Lord God, you would equip them, God, and they would feel confident and bold in their equipping of people. They would mentor and select and, and, and reach out and bring people into the calling that you've already graced them for. That God, it is only by your grace, it's not by our works that this happens. We're just being obedient, God, to what you've already commanded us and called us to do. And God, for those who maybe don't feel equipped or don't feel like they're operating in their giftings or their callings or they're not, they don't see themselves as a minister. How can I be a minister? I don't feel called to ministry. But God, I thank you, God, for sending the Apostle Paul to deliver us in a fantastic model of what it looks like to be your body. Thank you, God, that you've called us to works of service, to be, to be ministers in your kingdom, that you haven't reserved it for the elite. Lord God, you call the smallest person, the weakest person into that same calling and service to be a part of what you're doing here on earth. And Holy Spirit, we ask, Lord God, that we would lay down any pride, we would lay down any selfishness, we would lay down any blockages, any sin that might get in the way of what you've called us to be. And God, we ask that you would guide us into walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling that you've called us towards. That we would take a grip of that grace that you've apportioned to each of us. And that with one spirit in in the unity of the faith, that we would build up the body of Christ. God, even right now, you're bringing a Holy Spirit, you're bringing conviction into the hearts of people. Maybe you're bringing a stirring God to people that have gifts and ministries have laid dormant or maybe have not been recognized. God, we just, Holy Spirit, we ask you now to stir it up in the hearts of your people for works of service. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris.